Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Balls Over the Top NFL Prediction Podcast. We are coming into what, week week 12? Week 13. Week 13? This is week 13. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Time just flies when it's, you're not leaving your house. Exactly. Well, it's been a crazy week this week, a really interesting one. We had no Thursday night football, so we are coming at you. We've got a weekend podcast yeah, coming weekend at you. Yeah, show. Due to the multiple... Reschedulings. Yeah, delays, pushbacks. Postponements. Postponements of the Baltimore Ravens-Pittsburgh Steelers game. Pretty much a whole week. I mean, it was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. Ends up not getting played until Wednesday. At 4.30. 4.30 in the afternoon. And that's the first half because I was working. Yeah, well, there was another weird thing. They didn't sell out. It seemed like all of the commercial slots, because it was at such a weird time slot, that, like, at one point, we're watching, and the two-minute warning hits, and they don't cut to commercials. And the announcers, I don't think, were really tuned in. They're like, oh, and it's the two-minute warning. And then there was just silence. The cameras were on the field, and we were like, something wrong? Is everything all right there? And yeah, it was just it was Commercial just button broke? Yeah. It was a weird game. It's been a weird season, a weird year. Mm-hmm. But this week, so far, shaping up to be the weirdest. Yes. No Thursday night football. No. But we have three Monday games and a Tuesday game. Yeah, really just button into next week, I guess, is is the plan here. We, but we've got plenty of games to talk, talk about. We can start with a fairly interesting matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals facing off against the Miami Dolphins. Also, real quick, I misspoke. It's two Monday games. It's two Monday games? It's two Monday games. And then how many games are on Tuesday? Still one? Just one. Okay. uh, Yeah, three games after Sunday. Three games after Sunday. So, yes, Sunday, the first matchup, 1 o'clock. It's an interesting one. I think three weeks ago it would have been a lot more interesting, but this is the timeline that we're on. Might as well be the darkest one. Cincinnati Bengals playing against the Miami Dolphins. Joe Burrow is down for the season with his, dare I say, career-threatening knee injury. Meanwhile, your boy Tua, who had the roaring Dolphins rolling, well, they've hit a bit of a speed bump, and he's been a little bit hobbled. Yeah, he has been dealing with a thumb injury on his throwing hand, which... Holding on to the football as a quarterback, pretty important role, pretty important part of the job. Uh, what do you, Carson Wentz doesn't feel that way. Yeah, what do I, you mean? I, it's weird. If you look at uh, 29 other teams, they their quarterbacks hold on to the football. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one of those things where when you have such a capable backup, too, in Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. I mean, who was really the starter just a month ago, a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It's easy to just kind of flip to him, but, you know, I think everybody was really excited to see really the two marquee quarterbacks coming out of that class. I mean, they were the two headliners. Obviously, Justin Herbert's gotten a lot of, you know, fame now and really exploded onto the scene. Mm -hmm. But really, it was Tua and Joe Burrow that were the 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 two that were on everybody's minds. Yeah, so... Coming out this draft class. And the fact that we're going to have, if we're lucky, one of them, but possibly neither of them playing this week, a little bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. 
This line is pretty crazy, though. Yeah, ten and a half points spread, which seems pretty big, if you ask me. Cincinnati played pretty decently last week. I believe it was Ryan Finley who was playing quarterback for them. Yeah. And they did a pretty decent job. I mean, they stayed in that game for a portion of it. I'm curious to see how this goes, but I do think this is the Dolphins' game to win. Uh, you know, I, I rather, it, it's their game to lose, I guess would be in that sense. Like, they're... they're I can't imagine this Bengals team coming out and whooping this Dolphins team the way they've been playing. But, you know, like I said, they have been brought back down to earth of late. 42.5 right now is the over-under. That's a little bit on the low side, but with the question marks that you have offensively, Mm -hmm. it's hard to feel really strongly about the over-under even at that number. I mean, the Dolphins' offense has been not great. No. It's been really benefited by very strong defense and special teams plays. Yes, getting short fields, getting easy, quote-unquote, easy points. Which you would think with with Finley in there, those opportunities may present themselves. Mm-hmm. However, if the Bengals are really conservative, they kind of realize that and say, you know what, we're just going to stick with the run game not put anything on our backup quarterback that he really can't handle and make the Dolphins' offense beat them, I could see this over-under not being hit. Yeah, you know not even I mean? close. So I think with all that being said, there are a lot of factors here. I think I'm going to go with Dolphins to win but Cincinnati to cover, and I'm going to go with the under. I see this more likely to be a low-scoring affair, even if the Dolphins' defense or special teams does, you know, get their fingerprints all over this game, mm-hmm. you know, I still don't know if I see it to be in such a magnitude that we're seeing real fireworks on the offensive side here and, and this over is hit. Yeah, this, game, this game's an interesting matchup. I mean, we have a very small sample size on what Ryan Finley can do, but last week against the Giants, they did put up 17 points. And last week, we don't really have much of a sample size. I mean, they just played the Jets, so it's already kind of gets thrown out as being... A wash. Yeah. So I'm going to pick the Dolphins in this one on the money line. I would recommend not touching this spread, but I'll give the, I'll give the Bengals the benefit of the doubt and give them, give them the... The ten and a half. Ten and a half points. I mean, a double-digit spread. It's real tough, and I do think we see this under. When you see double-digit spreads, I you're either expecting to see an opposing team. You know, you either are expecting a dominant team on one side or a team that is so incredibly bad on the other that they can't get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if I see this being the perfect storm for that. No, not in two teams that don't have offenses that are really, really clicking. That's not to say it could. You know, or it couldn't rather. You right. Know, I mean, uh, th- this could be a this could be a wild blowout, but it just as far as where the offenses are at right now, yeah, ten and a half just seems don't see it a little bit big. Moving on, we have Cleveland versus Tennessee, an interesting AFC matchup of two teams that if the season ended today would be in the playoffs. So, the Titans as division winners right now, slightly edging out the Colts. And then the Browns, obviously, nobody is, I think at this point, 
it's not mathematic, but I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh has just about wrapped up that division title. Obviously, a couple weeks yet until it can be mathematic, but... Considering the rest of the schedule... Whether it's Cleveland or Baltimore or if any of the teams are trying to get into the playoffs out of that division, they're coming in as a wild card. Most likely. So, we have two teams. Could both be wild card teams, but two teams that are hoping to be playing football come January in Cleveland and Tennessee. Now, Cleveland are pretty substantial underdogs here. Five points. I say substantial because... They're eight and three, so to be a five-point underdog at eight and three yeah, just seems the same record as your opponent. Yeah, that just seems high to me. But I would argue they have been the more inconsistent of the two teams. So I understand why you know, but I would think it would be closer to three, two and a half, considering they have the same record and the playoff implications here. Five-point spread. It's Cleveland plus five, Tennessee minus five, and the over-under, 53 and a half. For a Tennessee team that's really good defensively and a Cleveland offense that's been as hit or miss as it's been, especially really with a revolving door of a supporting cast. I mean, the Odell Beckham injury, whether it's Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt based on injuries or suspensions or what have you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It just seems like there's, you know, Austin Hooper getting an appendectomy in the middle of the season. Yeah. Njoku pretty much Being Houdini act, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So so I'm shocked at how high this over-under is at 53.5 when this Cleveland offense has been so hit or miss. I mean, if it tells you anything, this is the highest over-under for the whole week. By three points. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous for this. Oh, sorry, two and a half points. There's a 51 in there. Okay. But you know what I mean? So at 53 and a half, the fact that they're expecting this to be the highest scoring game of the week when you have a Mike Rabel defense there, a Tennessee offense that, yes, can be explosive, but more or less tries to establish the game with the run. Yeah. And so of late has Cleveland been more of a run-heavy, let's pound the rock. Where do they think all these points are coming from when... Both teams are going to be trying to chew up possession. I just don't see this 53.5 as reasonable. So I'm going under on that over-under. And then I think I'm going to go with a a pretty rare split here on such a small spread. But I think I'm going to go with Cleveland to cover, Tennessee to win. I see this being a, you know, maybe it ends up in a six-point game. And so I don't, you know, it could go to overtime is what I'm saying. So it ends up being a six-point game, which point I'm not covering with this spread here. But for all intents and purposes, I see this being a close game. I see this being a real scratch-and-claw kind of game, considering the standings and the records that are at play here. And I think I see Tennessee sneaking out with it because they, at this point, are the more playoff-tested, veteran kind of steady team where Cleveland is so many young, kind of hot-headed, up-and-coming inexperienced players and i think that kind of experience also tennessee's the home team yeah it, this game it's going to be an interesting one i'm going to be excited to see it it is going to be a little bit of a playoff preview but i think especially coming off that bad loss to the colts this titans team is really going to be looking to right the ship and i think they have the tools to do it i think we're going to see titans win 
I'm going to give him the cover, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't think we see this over a 53 and a half hitting. I think that's a very tall order for two yeah, run-based teams. I just, yeah, you look at two run-based teams, two quarterbacks that have their question marks. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, bigger question marks than Ryan Tannehill. But neither one of these guys, if you have your pick of the litter, any quarterback in the NFL, neither one of these guys are going in your top ten. No, but they're probably like in the ten to twenty range. Yeah, at that point, you're still not. That's not a guy you're confident in. You know, it's a guy that can get the job done if everything around you's working. Yes, but my my point being, uh, but and then my, to be hitting the over for the, the, the have the highest over under for the whole week, right? Given the defensive pedigree and the rushing based offenses that these teams run, yeah, fifty three and a half just seems. Ex- extreme right considering you don't have a mvp caliber quarterback on either side that's no. putting mean, up 350 yards yeah, I mean, every you week have, and multiple you have touchdowns. wide receiver ones on both teams with jarvis landry and aj brown still but yeah i just don't see the 53 number that's a whole that's a whole bunch for both these teams try and try and make that coming back to the nsc we have a divisional matchup also at one o'clock detroit taking on the Chicago Bears. Really, this is a Detroit team that kind of is, is in bad. no man's land. Yeah, it's they're bad. bad. Matt, they're bad. They finally fired Matt Patricia, yeah. which was long overdue. Absolutely. They got a new GM coming in as well, which is also, I mean, you can't really do worse than the previous regimes have done. I mean, no. So, and on the other side of it, you have this Bears team that's also kind of bad at this point, and yet they seem to be trying to grasp on to relevance and stay competitive, whether it's Matt Nagy being on how he is not burnt to a crisp on the hot seat he's in is beyond me. It's Whether it's the Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, two quarterbacks that you could argue are maybe playing for their careers. You know, there, there's just such a head-scratcher, that Bears team, but considering how much more they have to play for... I think this the the scales, in my opinion, would be tilting towards Chicago. Mm-hmm. It is a three point spread. Chicago, the three point favorites. It's a forty four and a half point over under. To me, this one's actually pretty easy. I go Chicago to win and cover, and I think I go over on the forty four and a half. Only reason I say that is these are two teams that have shown they can score a lot of points. Uh, neither one of them consistently. I'll give you that. But Matt Stafford is the the garbage, the king of garbage time. That's true. But the, we've also seen games where this the Lions teams put up zero. They've been shut out this season. They ha- that's true. But I, I'm just leaning toward 44. A divisional matchup. Maybe it's defensive and low scoring. I, I definitely wouldn't put it past either of these teams. But I see something. You know, 43 and a half. I, I see. Sorry, 44 and a half. I see the the lower scoring of the teams hitting the high teens, low 20s. Uh, uh, the weather is probably going to be in the high teens, low 20s. This is a Soldier Field game in December, dude. This is true. I, I don't see this being a very high scoring game. I am giving it to the Bears. I'm taking a money line, but I'm going to hit the under in this over-under right now at 44 and a half. I think we see... Uh, uh, a quote-unquote defensive battle where it's just two two bad offenses. Two, two groups of like a hundred people that are just really cold. Exactly. 
everybody everybody just wants to get into the locker room for hot cocoa and and some blankets and and to talk and a group shower of course of course well that's if, why they, that's why they play i mean if nick Foles is in that locker room i, I want to you know that's why they play you know yeah absolutely coming over to the afc south here's an interesting matchup shocked at how small this spread is yeah, talking this, about spreads this one's a, this one's odd yes Sorry, well, I should give the matchup first. Yes. Indianapolis versus Houston. The Colts are three-point favorites. We got an over-under of 50 and a half. Now, the Colts are on the road. Colts are on the road. They have not looked quite as dominant of late, but they are still having a really good season. Yeah. And at 7-4, and four, coming in to face a Houston team that is the other end of that, four and seven. You know, you just at first glance, you think, again, one team's got a lot to play for, one team doesn't. But yeah. when you remember that Houston doesn't have their first-round pick, mm-hmm. they're very much trying to create a new identity following the fall of the Bill O'Brien regime. Right. And this is a Houston team that, when you consider that they started out something like 0-5... Right, like one and four, something crazy. The fact that they're now four and seven means in their last half dozen games, they have a winning record. Mm-hmm. So, I do think this game, I get you know, when you look beyond first glance, why it is a three point spread for looking at those trends. But this Texans team has not been beating good football teams. No, they're, I mean, the most recent win is you know, facing off against. Detroit, right? Exactly, on Thanksgiving. So, this is a Texans team that, while they have shown glimpses of the team that they maybe thought they could be this year before Bill O'Brien ruined everything, with a dominant defense, a great pass rush, a quality offensive line, given the additions that they've added, maybe a healthy running back tandem with David Johnson coming back. Like, they've shown glimpses, but... They also just lost They're their incredibly, number one wide receiver. Well, yeah, exactly. They lose Will Fuller, and well, they and so in a sense, in essence, and between that and the Hopkins starting center back or quarterback. Yeah, so I think it's pretty safe to say, in my mind, I I, I like Indian on this one. I, I like India a lot. I think the Colts win. I think the Colts cover at that three point margin, and I like the over of fifty and a half. I do expect the Texans to score some points. Deshaun Watson is a human highlight reel. I know he's been struggling, and, and really Bill O'Brien left, you know, sent him down shit creek without a paddle, you know, no supporting cast or anything. Mm-hmm. But you look at it, I, I think this Frank Reich Colts team, the defense is still elite. Phillip Rivers is still a trusty veteran with a lot of experience and poise. And the team's finding its form and getting a lot out of its stable of running backs, not just one guy. Exactly. I I think that this is the type of game where a playoff-bound team like the Colts win and a team that's really in the middle of a rebuild or in disarray or whatever you want to call it, even or finding their identity, does not. I I go with the Colts win. I go with the Colts to cover. But I go with the over of that 50-and-a-half expecting some expecting some offense i'm with you on this colts team i think i think losing your quarterback's best target 
really hurts your team. I think it means you really have to go kind of to the drawing board again, which you've already had to do a couple times this season. I think that's very difficult to do in one week against a team that has been rounding into form because this Colts team did not start off as a good football team. The defense has been pretty good all season, but it hasn't been until this past couple of weeks where the offense has actually had its own identity and been able to take care of the ball and move it effectively. I like the Colts in this one, and I'm going to take a money line and against the spread. 50.5, I think it's just a lot of points for these two teams, especially because they do have pretty good defenses. You know, the, the pass rush of this Houston Texans team is no joke still. You don't count it out. I think we're going to see a little bit of a low-scoring game. I'm going to take the under in this one. Well, it should be a good one no matter what. We're going to get a lot of action out of that one. Another 1 o'clock game we have. An interesting matchup. Talking about two teams on the outside looking in. One team maybe still holding on for some kind of relevance towards the end of the season. Jacksonville Jaguars facing off against the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are favorites by 10.5 points. The over-under in this game is set at 51. Vikings have been fairly impressive on offense. I mean, Dalvin Cook has been an absolute monster in that backfield. But he's showing wear and tear. He's he's getting banged up. He's, going, he's had to leave the play, had to leave drives off the field. But they've found another weapon in Justin Jefferson and they still have Adam Thielen. They're still able to spread the ball around with Kirk Cousins' arm for what it's worth. And this Jacksonville Jaguars team has had a little bit of a quarterback mill with injuries and benchings and issues. They have lost a couple of close games in the past couple of weeks. How do you feel about this game? My gut feeling is I want to lean toward Minnesota. I think that Minnesota has been a team that has been building. Even on the losses that they get, they, they kind of build off of something. Well, you know, every team can get rattled and shook, and there's an outlier here or there. But we saw the Vikings establish the run game and then have some of the most elite rushing performances maybe we've ever seen out of Dalvin Cook. I mean... Definitely that we've ever seen out of Dalvin Cook, but maybe they've ever seen, period, you know. And then we've seen them, you know, when teams were adjusting to that, really start to tap into the capabilities that are there in a Kirk Cousins error offense and utilizing the fact that Adam Thielen is one of the most sure-handed receivers and one of the best route runners in the game. And Justin Jefferson now, it seems like, is a huge playmaker who can make the contested catches as well as beat you with his speed. get his separation. Exactly. I mean, and so utilizing the new talent and those players around him, you know, it seems like that Vikings team has been, like I said, building on its previous performances. Even the ones where they they don't come out on top, Mm -hmm. they were able to look at the things they were doing well in a certain aspect of the game and then just, try and carry that over to a following performance. And on last week's game against the Panthers, we saw this Vikings team show a lot of resiliency. I mean, that came came right down to the end. Yeah, and, and it required a, you know, 
touchdown on almost the last play of the game. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. And so that inherently to me is something valuable and shows me that this is not a lost season for the Vikings. Obviously, people in Minnesota will be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs, especially because this is a team that of late has had some playoff success. But they're a team, again, that is in that ballpark. They're a team that, I mean, now granted, you could pretty much say this about even anybody at this point, but like they're a team where if they were on the Eagles' schedule next week, I'd be saying, oh, I think this one's a loss. Now, again, mm-hmm. maybe that's not saying much given the state of the birds right now, but, you know, uh, a lot of teams, even a team like Cleveland who has a better record and I know we lost to, I would be looking at that game more optimistically, for example, than maybe the Vikings right now, mm-hmm. even though the Vikings are a worse record. Yeah, where the, where the Vikings are at in their season might not be – Indicated fully by yeah. the record. Obviously, they're now at this point in the season, the health issues come into play. Like you said, Dalvin Cook getting banged up. That that obviously is a huge factor in the game. Mm-hmm. But again, they just seem like a team that has direction. They have intent. They, it seems like they're they have a common goal that they're working toward. Where this Jaguars team is just kind of a disaster to me. It seems like that was kind of the direction that they were going in from the very beginning. I mean, when they traded off Yannick Ngakwe, when when they made all the moves that they've made over the last couple of years, including cutting Leonard Fournette, moving trading away Jalen Ramsey, moving on from Calais Campbell. I mean, you, the, the list goes on and on. And you even see it, you know, they bring in Nick Foles to be their starter. Well, then all of a sudden they're cutting Nick Foles. Yeah, because they have a six-round pick that is doing the job. And then they seem willing to kind of not move on from it. I mean, I know he's had the injury issues, but it's it seems like they're willing to just kind of throw anything they can at the wall and see what sticks, and then they're kind of, I think, hoping to get themselves really in a position to draft a type of franchise quarterback that teams really covet. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like their lack of direction has really bled into the field. And it's a shame for some of the players on that team because they fight harder than just about any team in the league. And I say this a lot, you know, they, it seems like almost every week the Jaguars are in their game. Mm-hmm. It really does. For a team that's doing as poorly as they are with uh, at 1 in 10, it seems like at least 5 of those 10 losses, the other team was sweating. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So with all those things in mind, you know, I just kind of speaking out loud all my thoughts about these teams in this matchup. I think I've got to go with Minnesota. I, I think Minnesota's the home team. They get, they rallied to get that Panthers win. They might be thinking they could even salvage their season into something, sneak into a wild card spot or something. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that they're going to drop the ball. I know this is a Vikings team that has proven very capable of dropping the ball, both oh, yeah. literally and figuratively. Oh, yeah. Anytime I've picked them. But I, I think that they're not going to drop the ball and let their season get out of grasp against the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, especially when they are they have to be looking at that Bears-Lions matchup and saying, well, well, you know, if the Bears win, we have to at least keep pace with them because we can't fall to third in our division. I'm with you. I think the Vikings take this one. I'm going to pick them. Money line. I'm going to pick them against the spread of that 10.5 points. I think they do wind up getting the volume of of points through both the run and through the air. 
This over-under at 51, I think, is high, and I think I'm going to take the under. I think I agree with you on that over-under, and I also didn't really comment on the spread for this game because it is a, a very big spread. A large and spread. Like I said, this Jaguars team, despite their record, it seems to me like they really are, are closer to playing, or you know, more accustomed to playing close games than they are getting being, blown out. Getting blown out. Yeah. But I'm going to go, despite those words coming out of my face, I'm going to go with Minnesota to cover on this 10.5-point spread. We have a game at 1 o'clock following that one. We have the Raiders facing off against the Jets. Now, between these two teams, they scored less than 10 points last week. But the Raiders are favorites by 8 points. And the over-under in this one is at 46.5. I can be really fast about this one because the Jets are very bad. The Raiders are not very bad. I'm picking the Raiders' money line. I will pick them against the spread. I think we see the under 46.5 in this one. Yeah, Raiders' money line, Raiders' spread, under 46.5 sounds good. Jets are bad. I do think I could see them getting a win at some point. I don't see them as an 0-16 team. They could, though. I mean, they're, they're that level bad, so, so I'm not saying it's out of the realm. I don't think that wins this week, though. Uh, the Raiders have been playing with, with some purpose and some intent. Yeah. They're still right in the hunt to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, I know that there there's... You know, the Colts and Cleveland ahead of them right now in the wild card spots, but it's only by a game, maybe game and a half. I could see, I could see them really putting effort into this game and not again, kind of like what I just said about the Vikings, not letting the Jets be the team that does them in in their wild card hunt. I'm with you. Last one o'clock game on the docket. Divisional matchup in the NFC South. New Orleans Saints taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Drew Brees is still sidelined. This Falcons team really came out and balled out last week. Sure did, putting up 41 points against the aforementioned Vegas Raiders. Line is three points. The Saints are three-point favorites. Over-under is 46.5. Tell you right off the bat, without even really having to put any thought into it at all. I think that 46.5 is low, Yep. even without Drew Brees on the field. Yes. Considering the way this Falcons defense hemorrhages points and the big playability of the Falcons offense, I think over for that 46.5, easy. We agree. Lock we can lock it. Now, the actual game is a little bit fuzzier. Yes. Atlanta is home in this one. They're the dogs, but they're the home dogs. Atlanta's at home, and much like the Texans, Atlanta's been a much better team since they made their head coaching change. Mm-hmm. They got off to a really abysmal start this year. 0-5. Historically bad. And with the veteran leadership on that team, especially, you know, I think offensively, you think yeah. Julio Jones and Matt Ryan especially. And we should just point out, when we're saying historically bad, because they were winning those games and then losing them late. Yes. So they had the capability all season to put up points to show up in games. Mm-hmm. The defense was collapsing. Seems as though, I don't want to say they fixed that problem, but they've done a much better job of managing leads mm-hmm. and staying cl- tight and close in football games. But I think my faith here stays in Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton's a world-class football coach. 
if not for Bill Belichick, I think we'd be saying Andy Reid or Sean Payton is the best coach in football. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be a close argument. I think this is a dynamic Saints offense, and this is still a Falcons defense that is looking for a lot of answers. Mm-hmm. And I think Taysom Hill has got something to play for. I think he, this is a bit of an audition for him, considering we don't know if Drew Brees will be back really in an effective form this season or at all next year. I go Saints win. I go Saints cover over of 46.5. What are your thoughts, buddy? I, I'm i with you. You know, last week we saw Taysom Hill face off against a Broncos team whose defense is no easy task, and he still managed to put up 31 points, and I think the Broncos defense slightly better than this Atlanta Falcons defense. I think we're going to get to see him replicate another good performance. I think the Saints win. I think they cover. I think it's a close game, though, and I think that field goal is going to really make a difference in the end. And we're going to stop right here for a second because we have a friend of the show calling in on the balls over the top hotline. We got Tyler coming in for his pick of the week. Tyler's Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here this week. Yeah, thanks for joining Dude, us. We'd always love having you on the show here. So, uh, bringing in for your pick of the week here, we uh, have a weird schedule this week. We were just talking about got some couple of Monday games, got a Tuesday game. So you got a lot to work with here, bud. Yeah, I think they said uh, this is the first, or this is going to be the first time there's season there's a game played on every day of the week. Um, assuming we had the, I think it's a Christmas Day game on on a Friday that's coming up. So, yeah, definitely definitely a weird year. Yeah, but entertaining nonetheless. I mean, it's given us a lot of things to talk about. So uh, I'm not complaining about football on a Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. What exactly. else are we doing? So uh, what about uh, this week's games caught your eye? Yep. So, you know, the last few uh, I've picked some kind of, you know, Standard stuff, uh, you know, one prop bet in a game or something like that. But uh, this week I got something a little different that I immediately, as I opened my DraftKings app, it was uh, staring me in the face. Um, And it's just kind of funny because it is the Jim Cramer odds boost from Mad Money. There we go. Um, So his odds boost this week is the NFC Beast boost, and it's for all NFC East teams to lose. Uh, boosted to plus 175. And I, at first it struck me as a little low, and then I looked at it. Uh, they play, uh, respectively, I think, in a row. It starts with the Giants play Seattle in Seattle. Eagles play... Who do the Eagles play? Green Bay. Green um, Bay at Lambeau. Um, the Cowboys are, of course, that Tuesday game against the Ravens in Baltimore. And I think the red, the, the Washington football team oh. have Pittsburgh. Almost got me there. Have Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. So honestly, I think the closest one out of all these could be the Ravens, depending on what their quarterback situation looks like. Yeah, um, I know there have been rumors of Lamar potentially playing, but otherwise, you know, could have Penn State legend Trace McSorley. Yeah, or uh, or, or NFL legend Reggie Three. Either one, yeah. They've got some good options there. So 
yeah, I, I think this one, you know, I could easily see all four NFC East teams losing this week. I think, you know, the Eagles did put up a little bit of a fight last week, but I think that Green Bay team is just firing on all cylinders right now. So, See, the team, the matchup out of these four that catches my eye the most, and I know we're going to jump into this in a little bit, but I think this Giants team now, pending the inclusion of Daniel Jones in the lineup, but they've also been playing some of their best football of the season right now. Yeah, no, I, I definitely... You know, I think that one, again, could be – I think if, if one's going to flip, I see it as probably that uh, Dallas game if, you know, Lamar's out uh, or this one. You know, I could see the, the Giants kind of shocking Seattle, um, especially with, with home field not meaning quite as much. Yeah, but in general, I think you're right. I mean, those matchups very much – even if our division was not historically bad, those would be four very difficult football games. And considering the state of our division currently, mm-hmm. uh, you're definitely, it's not its not far-fetched. No, I mean, most of those teams have as many or almost as many wins as the entire division has. So it, it does not bode well for the NFC, NFC East this week. It does not. Tyler. Yeah, so that that's uh, that's my pick. I think uh, I think it's got a, a decent chance of hitting. So uh, I hope it doesn't. I hope the birds pull something off. But if not, make a little money on it. Yeah, little uh, little feelings uh, feelings band aid. Well, Tyler, we appreciate you coming on. Always yeah. appreciate your input. Yeah, and thanks uh, for joining us here. Hearing what you have to say always helps us get a little bit of a kickstart into those late games. And we uh, appreciate you coming by, or yeah. you know, popping in for uh, popping in for your segment. So yeah. appreciate you hopping on the line. Always, always happy to be here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get you back next week, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you. Talk to you a little bit All later. Right. Talk to you soon. Well, there we had it. That was Tyler joining us on the Bulls Over the Top Hotline. Reminder, anybody can call in, especially set it up with us on our social medias or with one of us personally if you're able to coordinate that. We would love to have you on here, get your thoughts maybe on an NFL game or in our Monday show. Yeah, we're always talking sports. Always happy to talk with other people too. But let's pop right back into things. Kicking off these 4 o'clock games, we have a really exciting NFC West matchup. Honestly, one of the games that I'm most excited about out of this whole week's docket of games. Yeah, this is a great matchup. We have the Los Angeles Rams facing off against the Arizona Cardinals. The Rams here are three-point favorites, despite being the away team. This is a pretty crazy one, because I feel like just a couple weeks ago we were talking about how the Rams' offense was kind of in a state of disarray and what was going to happen there, and... This Cardinals team was flying high. I mean, right now, if the season ended today, both of these teams would be making the playoffs as wild card teams. So it shows you just how competitive that NFC West is. Any the division is still up for grabs, and any of the teams in it, it can find themselves in the wild card. Absolutely, even San Francisco at five and six, still not out of it. Yeah, I mean, they would be handily leading the NFC East if they were in our division. Mm -hmm. 
So with all that being said, this three-point spread to me is a little bit surprising. It's hard to win games in Arizona, and that Cardinals team is feisty. They've got some firepower to them. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the ball, there's a lot of star power on that Rams team. And Sean McVay seems to have that team playing its best football of the season right now. I think I'm inclined, though, to go with the home underdogs here. This Cardinals team, I think, eventually is bound to stop the bleeding. They were flying high, and they've been kind of in a bit of a free fall of late. And I think they right the ship this week against a Rams team that I think is very beatable. I think Jared Goff is relatively pedestrian. Uh, You know, I'm not saying he's the worst quarterback or even worst five, but you know what I mean? I don't think he's a world beater. No. I think... The Cardinals have the advantage in the quarterback matchup, and they definitely have the advantage in offensive weapons. It's going to be a matter of whether or not the Cardinals' defense is able to keep up with what Sean McVay is boiling up on the other sideline. But I think Cardinals win. I think Cardinals, I mean, if they're getting points, we'll take it. 48.5, I think that's low. I would have thought this would have been the game this week, maybe, to have that 53-point over-under, especially playing in Arizona, uh, an indoor stadium in an area where the weather wouldn't really even be a factor anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm going Cardinals win, Cardinals cover over a 48-and-a-half. I'm with you. Both these teams are coming off three-point losses. The Cardinals lost against the... New England Patriots, I want to say 20-17, and the Rams are coming off a loss to the 49ers, a 23-20 game. I think Arizona writes the ship first. I think they get the win in this one. I'm going to pick them money line and against the spread. I'm hoping we see the over in this one hit. I would much prefer to see both these offenses flourish a little bit and, and see a little bit of fireworks show in this game. Yep. But I think I think we see the overhead. Another NFC West team is in action at 4.05, and we teased this game just a moment ago when Tyler was on the phone. Seattle Seahawks are hosting the New York football giants. Now, again, at a glance here, you'd think this would be a blowout and an easy decision, and it still might be both of those things. Mm-hmm. But as we agreed just a moment ago, giants are playing far and away their best football of the season as a complete team. The offense seems to be figuring it out. Daniel Jones has grown more, I feel like, in the last six weeks than he had in the previous year and a half in the league. Mm -hmm. And that defense is making plays. Uh, Very punishing. I mean, really laying hits on people, you know, playing the run well, playing the pass well, not letting up the big, big plays. I don't think this is an elite Giants team uh, where this Seahawks team is obviously playoff bound. But I could see this game being closer than everybody, or than, than, again, first glance would anticipate. So I'm going with the Seahawks to win, but I'm going to go with the Giants to cover at 10.5. And And 47.5 point spread, that seems a little bit high to me, considering... We don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be healthy for this game with a possible hamstring. And this Seahawks team with the banged-up backfield, 
it seems like they haven't been quite as consistent offensively, and they've had to rely a lot more on the big play, the Russell Wilson running in circles in the backfield and working magic and then throwing the ball up in a rainbow and then DK Metcalf doing what DK, DK Metcalf does. You know what I mean? Like, like it seems more not quite like this team has been really executing mm-hmm. sub, you know systematic yeah drives. not with their full synergy of of getting I mean, even, multiple phases even of think the game of that involved. think of the eagles game last week i mean if it weren't for some of the really ugly turnovers by the eagles offense and maybe an occasional big play here or there that was let up our defense suffocated that seattle offense and got the better you know had the upper hand most of the day mm mm-hmm. mhm so, I I think this game is a little bit closer than that ten and a half point spread would would suggest. Suggest obviously a lack of Daniel Jones. If Colt McCoy's running the show, I could see this being a a runaway blowout. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so all of this is to be taken with a grain of salt. I think we don't see Daniel Jones play this week. So that that being said, I think the Seahawks win on the money line. I think they cover the ten and a half points without Daniel Jones. I think we see the under forty seven and a half split. I know the air raid offense of the Seahawks team is impressive and they can score in bunches, but forty seven and a half just seems like quite a lot. Yeah, it's it's a big number. It's a it's a it's a it's a tall. It's a big order. number with the question marks that remain. And by the way, as of right now, Daniel Jones, you're right, is listed as doubtful for this weekend's matchup. For the next four o'clock game, kicking off at four twenty-five, we have the New England Patriots traveling to face off against the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are favorites by only one and a half points, and the over/under in this one is set at forty-seven. I think this is the Chargers game to lose. Both of these teams have had their struggles. Both these teams have dropped games that maybe they shouldn't have because they were in the position to win those games. I think we're seeing this game is this game's tough because I think Bill Belichick's a much better coach than Anthony Lynn is. I think Anthony Lynn's job is in question. I don't think that's the same case for Bill Belichick. I think the Chargers need to win this one, so that's why I'm that's why I'm picking them. I think they have a little bit more to be playing for. They don't they have a rookie quarterback. They don't have a quarterback on a one year deal when they're looking to probably get their next franchise it's quarterback. Not a stop draft. Yeah. I think the Chargers win this one. I think they cover that one and a half point spread. For this forty seven over under I do think we see the over. I think this Chargers team is just very good at getting the ball down the field. And I'm I'm going to be excited to see this matchup. How do you feel about this one? I feel a bit differently than you do on this one. Although I'm a big Justin Herbert fan and have really enjoyed watching him flourish and grow with that Chargers team, I think that that team has shown me time and time again that they're just not there yet next year. By the way, I think they're going to be dangerous. I think they're going to win their, not maybe not win their division with the Chiefs, but I think they're going to make the playoffs for sure. But I think this has been a team that has shown me this year that they lose those close games, that they 
maybe not lose those close games, but you know they don't do all the little things right that you need to do to win those close games. It's it's the you know stepping out of bounds at the appropriate time to save an extra play or timeout before whatever, or it's the opposite. It's making sure you go down inbounds when you're trying to kill the clock. It's it's just those little fundamental things that the inexperience on this Chargers team. And maybe it's from quarterback, maybe it's from Anthony Lynn at head coach because he's still pretty inexperienced. I mean, this is his first head coaching job in the NFL, Mm -hmm. and he hasn't really found much success, but he's been kind of given some passes based on the quarterback situations or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think we see Bill Belichick game plan his way to a victory here. I kind of hope not. I'm rooting for the Chargers here. I like them more as a team. I like their players more. Yeah. I, I just think... You also don't have much success betting against Bill Belichick in general. Yeah, and, and, you know, the Patriots have been... Winning games. They, they've been they've been getting their act together. Cam Newton has honestly been the, the worst part of that team and, and continues to be. I mean, I want Cam Newton to figure it out hopefully and have a few more years left in the tank but the amount of open throws that i see him miss is staggering yeah and the amount of the even the passes he completes are are not good completions he's not hitting people in stride he's not you know he's got the guy open and the guy's got to come to a complete stop and catch it low off the ground as opposed to hitting him you know mm-hmm. right in the bread basket does his regression at quarterback remind you of any other previous NFL quarterbacks are you trying to trying to poke the bear not really if you're try- especially i mean i don't know if you're trying to make the Donovan McNabb comparison for me cuz that's say it. that's i know but the look you know how i feel about Donovan McNabb I, I don't think so. I think that Donovan's skill set and Cam Newton's skill set were very different. I think Cam Newton had a much more quick and direct physical physical failures of his body that led to where McNabb, it was... I honestly think McNabb was really a solid... McNabb, pinpoint accuracy was never McNabb's Strong forte. Team, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's never but, been Cam's either. But... I think McNabb kind of got really just put in bad situations. I mean, McNabb, toward the end of his career, Eagles had a bad season, but they they were riddled with injuries, and it wasn't that great of a team. They ship off McNabb that offseason. I'm pretty sure his last season that he started there, though, he went. he, He had a very solid winning record, and I'm pretty sure that was like the year they went to the... AFC champion or NFC championship game and lost to the Cardinals. Um, but that, I think that was the penultimate season. Was, oh yeah. So then, yeah, the next year they struggled. That's right. Cause it was, the, I think that was like the, the year they had those patches for like uh-huh. the 50th or 60th anniversary or whatever. Right. And it was kind of one of those things where Andy Reid knew that, his job was getting on the line, so they moved on from McNabb, especially because they had drafted an early pick with Cobb. And then McNabb was in really awful situations with those. He was on a Vikings team that had no Adrian Peterson and no 
Sidney Rice and no Percy Harvin and no no Kevin Rudolph and no like like you yeah. went down the list of the player that was in Minnesota and then in Washington it was a team in the middle of a total hundred percent rebuild yeah and just like any other time in the past twenty years yeah like and another one where they had nobody I mean they didn't even have like their best receiver was Santana Moss and he got hurt in preseason mm-hmm. like. They had nobody. They didn't even have Clinton Portis anymore. Like, they had, like, yeah. there was no weapons on that team. I'm pretty sure that, again, the best player on that team was, like, James, uh, not James, I was going to say James Thrash, Chris Cooley, the tight end. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I it just, you're saying all these things, and you're like, it sounds nothing like Cam Newton's situation. No, because it doesn't, because Cam Newton really can't play anymore where I thought McNabb really still could. I thought if McNabb were put on a capable team, like if McNabb were on Bill Belichick's Patriots, even this version of Bill Belichick's Patriots, he would be doing way better than Cam is now. Maybe that's just me romanticizing how good he was, but I don't know. Also, we were watching those videos the other day. I mean, he was, he was really yeah, good. Yeah, Donovan McNabb's a very good quarterback. He was really ball. good. Yeah. So... Back to what we were talking about, this Chargers-Patriots game. Despite the fact that Cam Newton has been the biggest issue with that team, I'm inclined to say I believe that Bill Belichick keeps them competitive, keeps them in it. I do think the complexity of the defensive schemes and rushes that Bill Belichick will present to um, Justin Herbert will likely be a bit overwhelming. And it seems like, again, this charge, you know, I say the Jaguars are in close games every week. It seems like this Chargers team is in close games every week. And Bill Belichick wins close games. Reasonable. So I'm going with, even though I, I really do, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Chargers ball out. And I hope Justin Herbert is fantastic. And everything is great. But I'm inclined to go with the Patriots to win and cover the spread. And I'm going to go with the under of 47. I think if we hit that over, I think the Chargers win it. Yeah. Reasonable. The last 4 o'clock game, and we've been dreading this. Yeah. It's not looking good for us Philadelphia fans. No. Our Philadelphia Eagles are traveling to Lambeau Field. Take on the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, this is a tale of two quarterbacks. One quarterback who has always been very good and faced a little bit of questions early in the year, especially with the drafting of a young quarterback behind him. And then Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. No. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah. I mean, well, both quarterbacks, you could argue. I mean, both quarterbacks had to deal with rookies being drafted early. Mm-hmm. But one of them's job is actually in jeopardy, and I don't think most people would have thought it would have been Carson Wentz at the beginning of the year. No, not relative to to the age they're at in their careers. But yeah, the Green Bay Packers team has been uh, quite good right now, sitting with that very comfortable eight and three record, and. The Eagles have been much the opposite with a 3-7-1 and record. I think the Packers win this one. I think they're just at a, at a better 
part in their season. You know, only one of these quarterbacks came out this week and addressed the locker room for their poor play and poor performance, and they were wearing green, but they weren't wearing any yellow. I'll tell you that much. I think this Packers team wins. I think they cover this spread at only seven and a half points. I hope it's that close. Over under of forty nine and a half. I think the big playability that this Packers team has and the fact that they can do it both on the ground and through the air and the fact that their offensive line with all the injury situations that they've dealt with have just found the people to plug in and play and get the job done. I think the Packers win this one. I think we do see, though, the over of 49.5 hit. I think I agree with you on that over for sure. I think this is going to be an offensive game. But I think the Packers end up coming out on top. I think they are going to. I, I think the Packers are going to cover the spread. I, I unfortunately, I don't think this ends up being that close of a game. Maybe it is a one possession game at the end. You know, we Dougie has a tendency to uh, has a tendency to pull it within a score, or at least keep the game somewhat interesting at the end. Yeah. But I'm not too optimistic about this one the Packers team is dominant we are the opposite and maybe Dougie bad beat strikes again with uh I mean it happened last week with Richard Rodgers catching uh catching a Hail Mary touchdown on his butt it's not out of possibility moving on to the Sunday night game we have another divisional matchup coming out of the AFC Kansas City Chiefs are taking on the Denver Broncos in a game that I don't know how anybody approved for prime time Yep. We do like seeing Pat Mahomes under the under the lights. I mean, I know he is a just generally going to be a primetime draw, but really? The Denver Broncos? Yeah, this has a, They haven't been relevant since Peyton Manning left. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are probably going to be better on some preseason games than there wasn't even preseason games this year. As a result, though, we see this discrepancy represented in the spread. 13 and a half points, biggest spread of the weekend. Chiefs are favored by, and gotta say it's it's the money line's ludicrous. I mean, Chiefs are minus a thousand on the money line. That's pretty insane for a NFL money line. Over under fifty and a half points. This one's easy to me. I'm going Chiefs to win, and I'm going Chiefs to cover. And I go under a fifty and a half. I could see something like a twenty-eight to ten. I could see something like a 35 to 10. I could see something like a 35 to 13. That's probably where I'm drawing the line. Otherwise, I think it might be a bit closer, but I think we see the Chiefs win. I think they cover, and I don't think we hit the over here because I do not see what the Broncos are doing. At quarterback, still, I mean, even with the quarterbacks cleared from covid they're, they haven't known what they've been doing at quarterback since 2018. I mean, yes. that has that, that statement had nothing to do with the lack of quarterback last week. Yeah. Um, shout out to Kendall Hinton. Did get a pass completed. Counts for something. But I'm picking the Chiefs' money line. I'm picking them against the spread. I think we see the overhit, though. I don't see the Chiefs taking their foot off the gas at all. We saw Tyreek Hill have a incredible first half last week, putting up 200 yards, and he's just one of the weapons that they have. 
I think we see the Chiefs put on another dominant performance. They might score 50 points themselves. I see the over hitting in this one. Well, now we're going to venture into some not entirely uncharted territory, but somewhat uncharted territory nonetheless. We venture into one of our three games happening after Sunday. First one is a 5 o'clock happy hour game on Monday. Great for that radio on the car ride home if you're somebody who does still have to commute. Washington football team taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, at first glance, you would think one team's undefeated, the other one is in a division where no team has, what, more than four wins? Oh, this should be easy, right? But Ron Rivera has Washington playing, again, sound like a broken record here, but has Washington playing their best football of the season. Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh has been shaky. I mean, they've had matchups against some teams that look very beatable, like Jacksonville, like Philadelphia, like Cincinnati. Like a, a Ravens team without yeah. without their quarterback or half of their roster. Mm-hmm. And like a Cowboys team with Ben DiNucci, I think, it was starting for that game. And yet, these are close games. I mean, they're coming down to one possession. They're coming down to the wire. Yeah. So to, write, to, to mark this game off as an easy choice based on their records alone would be foolish. That being said, I think you'd also be crazy to bet against Pittsburgh at this point with everything they're playing for. And now they're they're not playing against just Washington. They're playing against Washington and history. You know what I mean? Mike Tomlin, again, is right up there in that upper echelon golden tier of NFL head coaches. Yeah. They have that, a... Ve- that, like, top, top six club where you're, you know, you're throwing in Bill Belichick, Andy Reid... Uh, you've got Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, and uh, then you could argue Pete Carroll, and then you could also argue Harbaugh or, or Har- Harbaugh. I mean, yeah, uh, there's there, there's wiggle room, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, just about at the very least, twenty six other teams in the NFL would hire Mike Tomlin in a second. Absolutely. So I think I got to go with Pittsburgh. It's a seven and a half point spread, or sorry, a seven point spread. Even, I go with Pittsburgh to win, and I go with Pittsburgh to cover. I know these games have been close, and I know Alex Smith is chomping at the bit to play some nationally televised football, but uh, Pittsburgh has too much to play for, I think, at this point. And Washington, again, I kind of said this a couple times this week, but like Washington to me just doesn't seem like a team good enough to be the one that takes this away from Pittsburgh. We see wonky things like that happen all the time. But my gut tells me this is this, this isn't this isn't that time. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think the Steelers do win this one. I think we get to see them go to 12 and 0. I think the Washington football team covers in this one. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. Again, based on everything we just said, I don't think that's crazy. I I think that Pittsburgh is capable of also seven points is such a yeah is such a hard one to to call because yeah. it's right in that mix of you know what are teams even if a team has a three point lead they're yeah. just going to run out the clock you know like they're, they're missing so many, an extra point exactly etc cetera, et cetera. It, it's very close but i see this being a pretty close game i mean 
I I sound like the broken record now, but we've talked about this Washington football team's defensive line, and they are stacked, and they're good at getting to the quarterback. And it's not like Ben Roethlisberger has a mobility scooter out there where he's going to be getting around. I think I think we see it close. I think the under of 43.5 hits in this one. I don't see them lighting it up. We haven't seen the points come in droves from the Steelers team in quite a few weeks. I think it's going to be a pretty close matchup. I think I think we see the under in that 43-and-a-half hit. Well, going to our second Monday night football game, the late-night crowd, if you will, the Buffalo Bills are taking on the San Francisco 49ers. This is another one. Really fascinating to me. The Niners are a team that just is so hard to get a grasp on. Yeah. yeah, I mean... They've gone through quarterback changes. They've gone through crazy injuries to their defensive line, to offensive weapons, yeah. to and yet their defensive identity really in Bosa. And yet here they are, at five and six, still with wild card postseason berths well within their reach. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that, we have a Buffalo team that's in this newfound territory of leading their division for the first time in like 20 years now that a team other than New England is going to be winning this division most likely and and we also have you know Miami as a competitive team in that division as well but you have Buffalo who's really been from the very start of the season setting the pace for that division yes i think that because of the inconsistencies and how hard this Niners team has been to track that they will struggle against a team like the Bills. Yes. I think that the Bills have a unique game plan. I I think that Josh Allen is a unique quarterback, and his skill set enables them to run a very difficult offense to game plan against. Sean McDermott gets to be very creative with what he can do with Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, you have big weapons with with Stephon Diggs, John Brown's the deep threat. You you know, they always have a solid running game. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that becomes too much for this depleted Niners team to handle. That Niners team has really stepped up to the challenge and risen to the occasion Mm -hmm. for a lot of their divisional matchups, which is why I think that they are still in the conversation for a playoff spot. And they drafted very well this year with, you know, talent like Brendan Ayo coming in and making impacts early on. But I think this is a game that Buffalo needs and is going to take. It is only a a one-and-a-half point spread. I don't think we mentioned that before, but one-and-a-half, I mean, this is more or less a toss-up. And the Niners are, quote-unquote, the home home team. But they're playing in Arizona. They're playing in Arizona. I'm going Buffalo win. I'm going Buffalo to cover. And I think we're going to see the over of that 46-and-a-half in this game. I think we're going to see some fireworks. Well, we can put the balls over the top stamp of approval on that one because I'm locked in right there with you. I think this Bills team uh, needs this win. I think they're going to go out and re- and earn it. Not just, not just get it, but really earn it, really take it. And to wrap up our week... We have the last NFC East matchup. Well, it's not all NFC East, but, you know, last team in the NFC East to play. We already talked about it briefly, but we have the Baltimore Ravens still coming back from their COVID outbreak, still trying to piece things back together, taking on the 
Dallas football Cowboys. Yes, this is America's team versus America's NFL MVP. And I'm excited for it. With or without Lamar, I'm excited for this game. Obviously, with Lamar Jackson, that's an exciting thing. Everybody, you know, he's electrifying. He's he's worth tuning in just for his whatever individual play he yeah, might his make. individual performances. But this is a playoff-tested Baltimore team. This is a Baltimore team that is currently on the outside looking in, and that is not where they want to be. And I imagine they are hungry, and they feel slightly cheated or wronged following the way that they had to play against the undefeated Steelers and division rivals with a depleted roster. I imagine as a result they're going to come out swinging, and whether, again, it's with Lamar or without Lamar, they've now had a long time to game plan. Mm -hmm. They've actually been able to be practicing with whatever piecemealed team. You know, they were thrown out there before without really any opportunity to establish a rapport with one another as and set up a game plan and go through walkthroughs and do all that stuff yeah. that's vital, you know. And Harbaugh seems to be able to put together a system in which he can plug in the pieces that he has and put together a, a solid, fairly solid performance. So I'm going to kind of make this pick with an asterisk, but I, I'm holding relatively strong with it either way. I think we are going to... I, I'm picking Baltimore money line no matter what. No asterisks. Asterisks free. Asterisks free Baltimore money line no matter what. I'm with you. The asterisk comes with the spread and with the over-under. And that is, if Lamar Jackson plays, I think we're hitting the over and I think Baltimore covers. If Lamar Jackson does not play, I think we're hitting the under, and I think Baltimore does not cover the spread. I think this is a game that is within 7.5 points in that case, but I do still, like I said, no matter what, think Baltimore does come out with the result. Uh, once again, get the stamp out, put some more ink on, slam it down. I'm with you. I think if we see Lamar Jackson come back with his rest and after dealing with his positive test, if he gets to come back and play this game, I think we really see him boom. I think we get to see him put up a bunch of points. Especially against this historically bad Cowboys defense. Absolutely. And yet, if he doesn't, I could still see a product. You know, Robert Griffin III didn't look great, but he looked competent last week in, in his reps. And then Trace McSorley... Through a dime of a touchdown through a pass. dime and, and you know again looked like for a game against this limped limping beat up cowboys team mm -hmm. it's it's a very different defense that he's going to be facing i see baltimore getting the job done either way regardless of the three quarterbacks we just named especially with what they have to play for versus a cowboys team that just doesn't at this point they probably just want a better pick yes well, that's all of our NFL games. Crazy yes. Tuesday game we just got to got to predict, and it was a kind of scheduled Tuesday game. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's it's such a weird, fairly planned. Yeah, at least with more than seven days heads up, they yes. knew this was going to be played on a Tuesday. So that's pretty insane. Things you know, things I didn't think I'd ever be saying, but here we are. It's twenty twenty, so yeah. we're gonna have a football uh, football every day of the week this year. It's it's a great it's a great time to be alive. Yeah. No one's upset about that. Well, uh, just 
one more thing. We are always on our Twitter and our Instagram handles at B-O-T-T podcast, where you can reach out to us if you want to call into the show, if you just want to give comments, feedback. Yeah, interact in any way. Yeah. We always love hearing you what you guys har- have to say. If you want to harass us, you have to go through Twitter, though. Yeah, so, no, that's strictly strictly harassment. Harassment Twitter. is Twitter only, but yeah, anything else can be through either channel. It does not matter. Otherwise, we do still have a handful of stickers laying around. Let yeah. us know if you want to get one of those, especially now. We could still probably get it to you before the holidays at this oh, point. Yeah. We got time. Something fun to throw into a stocking or something there. And other than that, we appreciate the support, guys. Appreciate you listening, and we will be back with you on Monday to wrap up. We had a crazy week of soccer this oh, week, it among was a ton of other NFL news, lots of big stuff going NBA on. NBA news, yeah, lot, lots yeah. of headlines. So we're gonna have a ton of stuff to talk about. We're really excited to talk to you guys then, and appreciate you guys. Love you guys, and thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you a little bit later. <laughs>